0: Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ and I'm so excited that you've joined us as we open up God's Word and learn how to serve and glorify Him just a little bit better. This lesson is a follow-up to one that was preached earlier at the Franklin Church of Christ. The earlier lesson was called Christianity is a Taught Religion. If you haven't listened to that lesson yet, let me encourage you to go to our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. You can download the outline or audio format of that lesson. Study that one first. Then come back to this one. This follow-up is since Christianity is a taught religion. We've learned from John 6 that Christianity is a taught religion. It's not a fought religion, a bought religion, or caught religion. But what does that mean for us? How do we practice Christianity, since it is a taught religion? Open your Bibles once again and let's ask that question. What should we do since Christianity is a taught religion? In John chapter 6 and verse 68, Simon Peter recognized what the most important thing that Jesus had done for him and the disciples and those who followed was. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Just prior to that, in verse 63 of John chapter 6, Jesus had said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. And in John chapter 6, in verse 44 and 45, Jesus had said, no one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Recently, we've read this narrative in John chapter 6, and we've learned that Christianity is a taught religion. It is not a thought religion or a bought religion or a caught religion. It is a taught religion. God expects His religion and His Word to be taught. And as we examined that last week, we were able to make a little bit of an application to uh, to us today. But I'd like for us to go a little bit deeper in that. And what does this mean for us practically as individual Christians and as a congregation? Christianity is a taught religion, but since it is a taught religion, what does that mean that we have to do? Granted, we could probably make all kinds of applications, but there's three that I just want us to notice today. And they're very simple. It's not... Anything amazing with the lightning flashing and trumpets sounding or anything? It's just three things that we need to focus on because Christianity is a taught religion. Would you bow with me in prayer, though, before we get to that? Glorious Father in heaven, we are amazed by Your mercy and by Your grace. And we pray, Father, that You will strengthen us to understand Your Word. Help us to know Your Word, to teach Your Word and to practice Your Word and to do what You've told us. Father, we're thankful that you give us this opportunity to be your servants, and we pray that you would be with us, give us opportunity to glorify and honor you. And Father, we pray that working through us, you will provide growth in your kingdom. Forgive us where we've fallen short. Forgive us where we've taken our eyes off the goal at times. Forgive us for the times when we've watered down and uh, mixed up what you've said, and forgive us for the times that that we've not focused completely on the goal that you have for us, and help us to get on track and to stay there and to help one another. We recognize that it's a growth process, Father, and we pray that You would help us grow. And Father, we pray that You would be patient with us as we grow and as we learn more and more about Your Word and give us the strength that as we learn more and more, that our lives will come in in line with what You've said for us. Father, we thank You for the forgiveness that You've given through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we're thankful, Father, that You allow us to be justified through faith in Him And not through trying to earn our way by knowing more and doing more, but having faith in Jesus and simply doing what we learn from Him as each day goes by. And Father, we pray that You would watch over us and bless us in Your service, that You can be glorified through us. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. If you look again there, John chapter 6, verse 44 and 45, we learn the very first thing, that since Christianity is a taught religion, remember Jesus said, they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. The very first thing that we've got to focus on since Christianity is a taught religion is we've got to learn what Christianity teaches. The only way that we can be drawn to the Son is if we learn what the Father teaches. Now remember we pointed out last week the biblical context of this concept in Psalm 119. In Psalm 119 beginning at verse 97, you'll remember that the psalmist wrote, Psalm 119 verse 97, Oh how I love your law, It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself... Have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yet sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Learning from the Lord is not hearing voices in our head, but getting into His Word, observing and meditating and studying and learning what He has revealed for us to know through His Word. And since Christianity is a taught religion, we must learn what the father teaches the concept is summed up in hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 we know that verse god it said there my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge you remember second peter chapter 1 verse 5 on down through verse 8 there peter describes the growth process that is being a christian And it is a growth process. God doesn't expect us to know everything today, but notice what 2 Peter 1 verse 5 says. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And then in verse 8 he says, "...for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." We've got to know. He says we've got to have faith and we've got to have knowledge and those things have to increase. And of course, we know from the Scripture where they come from. They come from God's Word. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Remember Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29 when the Sadducees had questioned Jesus about the resurrection. He said, You do err not knowing the Scriptures. Or the power of God. Knowledge and faith. And increasing in knowledge and faith, they come from God's Word. And that's where we must turn. The New Testament demonstrates that. The early church, that's exactly what they did. In Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. As the first church had been established... Beginning in verse 40, excuse me, verse 48. Verse 42, I'll get it right here in a second. So then those, in verse 41 says, so then those who had received His Word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These folks had become Christians, and what was the first thing they began doing? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. You remember in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11? In Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, Luke praised the Bereans. He said that they were more noble-minded than those from Thessalonica. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures daily. Knowledge. Learning. Remember the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 11, demonstrated how important knowing God's Word is In Psalm 119 and verse 11, he said, Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Are you trying to overcome sin in your life? I know that you are, because you're just like me. We're Christians that are growing. How are we going to do it? It says, get the Word of God in your heart. We've got to learn it. Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, as Paul was talking to the elders of the church of Ephesus there in And they had met in Miletus, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Paul said, And now I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace. Why? Which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So we go to the Word because it saves us. Christianity is a taught religion. If we want to be saved... By the grace of Christ, we've got to get into God's Word and we've got to learn it. We live in an age of self-help books. I love self-help books. I read them all the time. I'm all the time telling folks things I've read there. But, you you know, we we can go to the bookstore and find out how to do just about anything. But I want you to look at what it says in Psalm 119, verse 23 and 24. In Psalm 119, verse 23 and 24, the psalmist said... Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. Who are our counselors? Our friends at work? At school? Our neighbors? Our family members? What about God's Word? The psalmist says His counselor is the Word of God. And no matter what anybody else is doing against Him or to Him, God's Word is what He is learning and meditating on and thinking about in order to be counseled in what He's supposed to do. Christianity is a taught religion, and that means we have to learn what Christianity teaches. But we struggle with that. And this is a big book. It's hard to understand sometimes. And whenever we hear about studying God's Word to us, it seems just an awful lot like homework, and we had enough of that in school. And we know that we ought to read the Bible, and we make plans about how we're going to read the Bible, but sometimes that just kind of just gets shoved to the side because it's not, not that much fun. It's a lot of work. It's a little boring. But take a look at Psalm 119, and look at the attitude that the psalmist here had about God's Word and studying God's Word. There in Psalm 119 in verse 40, Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. Verse 49, Remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Verse 81 and 82, the psalmist says, My soul languishes for Your salvation. I wait for Your Word. My eyes fail with longing for Your Word while I say, When will You comfort me? Verse 97, Oh, how I love Your law! It is my meditation all the day. Verse 123, My eyes with longing for Your salvation and for Your righteous Word. Verse 129, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul observes them. The unfolding of Your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened wide my mouth and panted, for I long for Your commandments. Verse 161, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. What an attitude the psalmist had about God's Word. Is this our attitude? Do we long for God's Word? Do we anticipate the night watches when the kids are in bed and we finally have some time to read God's Word and get into it and learn it? Do we anticipate and look forward to studying God's Word? When we learn something new in God's Word, is it to us like finding a treasure? Like one who has found great spoil? Did you notice through all those how often longing for salvation was connected with longing for God's Word? The implication for us is when we long for salvation the way this psalmist longed for salvation, then we'll long for God's Word the way the psalmist longed for God's Word. Christianity is a taught religion. That means we've got to learn it. But that's not all. Not only must we learn Christianity, if it is a taught religion, we must preach it. We've got to learn it, and we've got to teach it. There in Psalm 119 and verse 46, Psalm 119 and verse 46, the psalmist wrote, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and I will not be ashamed. That makes me think of what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. In Romans chapter 1, Beginning at verse 16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's God's power for salvation. The psalmist said, I I will be ashamed to speak to kings. Christianity is a taught religion. We've got to teach it. Interestingly, there in Romans chapter 1, Verse 16, that's, follow, that's following what he said in verse 15, which is, for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of it. You see how that works? When we're unashamed of the gospel, we're going to be eager to preach it. And since that's what God intended, Christianity is a taught religion, if we're going to get more people to be Christians and be saved by the blood of Christ, we've got to be busy teaching. You take a look at the book of Acts. And you'll find that that is exactly what these Christians and these early churches were involved in. Every case of conversion throughout the book of Acts is preceded by teaching. In Acts chapter 2, the nearly 3,000 or the about 3,000 that were saved, there in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, it says, "...with many other words He solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received His word..." were baptized. They were taught. And then they obeyed. There in Acts chapter 8, and verse 12, Philip's gone down into Samaria and says, but when they believed Philip preaching the, word, the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, men and women alike. Preaching preceded conversion. There in Acts chapter 8, and verse 35, Philip opened his mouth to the Ethiopian eunuch and beginning from the Scripture he preached Jesus to him. In Acts chapter 9, Saul is on the road to Damascus. There's a miraculous experience. Jesus reveals Himself to Saul, but He didn't save him on the road. We know in Acts chapter 9, He said, you go wait and I'm going to send somebody to teach you. And Ananias comes in Acts chapter 9 and teaches him. In Acts 22 and verse 16, we know that he taught him and said... What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Another interesting example in Acts chapter 11, with all the, or Acts chapter 10 and 11, with all the miracles that surrounded what happened with Cornelius. The vision that Cornelius had, the vision that Peter had, the, the bringing down upon the Gentiles of the Holy Spirit. And yet in Acts chapter 11, verse 13 and 14, we find out what preceded the conversion. In Acts chapter 11, verse 13, he reported to us, This is Peter telling them what Cornelius said. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa, and have Simon, who is called Peter, brought here, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. How do people get saved? There are going to be words that are spoken to them. What words? These words. God's Word. Salvation is always preceded by teaching. You can't be saved without it. Because the only way that the Father draws folks is through teaching. Paul drove this home in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Quoting from Joel, he says, "...whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved." But recognizing that point implies some things. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, He said, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. He says, everybody who calls on God's name is going to be saved. But nobody will call on Him if they don't believe in Him. And nobody's going to believe in him if they've never heard of him. And nobody's going to hear about him if folks aren't out teaching about him. And nobody's going to go out teaching about him unless churches are sending them out teaching. And this is not a question of how many foreign evangelists we're supporting. This is not a financial question about how much money we can send out to men in foreign countries who've decided to teach the gospel. This is a question about how many people are being equipped by a congregation to go out and teach folks whether they're doing it here or being sent across the land or across the seas. How many folks are being equipped to go out and teach the Gospel because folks won't call on the Lord if they don't hear about Him. And they won't hear about Him if we're not out talking about Him. And we look in Ephesians chapter 4. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what are we doing as a congregation and what are you and I doing as individuals when it comes to teaching and sending folks out? In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 it says, He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Those of us who are in the role of evangelist or in the role of pastor, that is elder, bishop, in the congregation, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to equip folks to go out and teach the Gospel and minister the Word? We can look in Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at about verse 12. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the Hebrew writer said, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We as individuals have got to ask ourselves, what are we doing to mature ourselves that we might discern between good and evil and get out and teach? What are we doing? Christianity is a taught religion. We've got to be teaching it. We need to remember what Paul said about the church in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. He told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. This verse tells us what Christ church is all about, and it tells us what every local congregation is to be about, and that is to be the pillar and support of the truth. Our job is not to decide what is truth. Our job is to discover the truth in God's Word and hold it up for people to see. Our job is to support it and defend it and get it out there. Our job is not to entertain. Our job is not to recreate. Our job is not to babysit. Our job is not about social welfare or social reform. And our job is not to water down our job by adding all those things in to appeal to people. Our job is to get this out in front of people and talk to them about it and teach it. Christianity is a taught religion. We've got to learn it. We've got to teach it. But then thirdly, we look in Romans chapter 2 and find something very interesting there. In Romans chapter 2 beginning at verse 17. Notice the principle that Paul uses here to talk to the Jews. He says in Romans 2.17, "...If you bear the name Jew, and rely upon the law, and boast in God, and know His will, and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of truth, you therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself?" You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking of the law, do you dishonor God? Do you see what he's saying? You're going to teach. You've got to practice what you teach. Christianity is a taught religion. That means we've got to learn it, we've got to teach it, and we've got to practice what we're learning, and what we're teaching. It's not enough just to know it. It is not enough just to be able to tell others about it. We've got to be doing it the way God has said we're supposed to be doing it. That concluding statement that He made in that section, you who boast in the law through your breaking of the law you dishonor God, we could reword that to, to talk to us in the New Covenant. You who boast in the new covenant, do you dishonor God by breaking that covenant? Are we doing what He says? We, we talk to folks when we discuss baptism. We talk to them about just doing what God says and putting our preconceived ideas behind us and, and book, chapter, and verse and doing things God's way. Is that what we do with everything? Because since Christianity is a taught religion, we've got to be doing what is taught. That's our responsibility. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning at about verse 19. James wrote, This you know, my beloved brethren, James 1.19, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves." For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. What does James say? It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough just to listen and to teach it. We've got to be doing it. The way God has said in Philippians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 4, Paul said, we got to, This is Philippians 4 4. We've got to rejoice in the Lord. In verse 6, he said, Be anxious for nothing, but pray. In verse 8, he talks about what we're supposed to think about and meditate on. But then in verse 9, he points out that it's not enough just to rejoice and pray and, and know and think about. The things, he says in Philippians 4, 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It's not enough just to know what we're supposed to know and to think about it and meditate on it. We've got to practice it. And that's when the God of peace will be with us. Practice it. Do you understand, of course, the implication about this? The point behind this in saying that we've got to practice what we're learning and what we're teaching, is that when it comes to our practices, we've got to do what God has said. Our practice as a congregation, as individuals, is not stated or set down by councils of men. It's not in creeds or in dogmas. It's in God's Word. We've got to be able to have a book, chapter, and verse. We need to have authorization for what it is that we're doing. But that seems to be in our day and age a lost concept and it's dying out all over the place. So many individuals, so many churches today, what they're intent on finding out is is whether or not they think it's going to cause any harm. And so many people practice anything as long as they think it doesn't hurt anything. But the issue is not about perceived harm, the issue is about positive scripture. Can we go to the word of God and find where God has authorized that we are to be doing that? If not, we've got to refrain. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Why has this been given to us to learn and to teach so that we can be equipped for every good work? What must we practice? We must practice what this equips us for. And if we're doing anything else, it is not a good work, no matter how little harm we think it is. No matter how little harm. I don't know how many people... Oh, we've been doing that for years and the roof's never fall, fell in yet. Well, so? Have you ever found scriptural authority for it yet? The issue is not about what we have done or haven't done. The issue is not about what we have taught or haven't taught. The issue is where can we go to Scripture to find that what we're doing is authorized. I heard somebody make a, a good suggestion just a few weeks ago. I wish it were possible. But he said, you know, what might be good is if just every three or four or five years we can just wipe our minds completely clean, just open the Bible and start trying to figure out what we're supposed to believe and teach and practice all over again. And I recognize that's psychologically impossible, but boy, we sure ought to try to come as close to that as possible. Too often we just get in the habit of just doing things the way we've always done them. And then thinking that, well, just adding a little bit here isn't going to hurt. And and maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's okay. But do we go to the Scripture and make sure? Because you see, Christianity is a taught religion and what God has taught, He expects us to practice. You remember the story of Isaac? God had taught the Israelites how to transport the ark. But David didn't wipe his slate clean and go back to the ordinance of God and search it out. And they did it wrong. And Uzzah was struck dead because of God expects us to go back to His ordinance and to do what He says. Christianity is a taught religion. And because of that, we've got to learn it. We've got to preach it. And we've got to practice it. And that's what we should be doing. That's our duty. That's our responsibility. That's our job. And certainly, that's, like I said earlier, a growth process. We're going to grow. But we need to be willing to grow. That means as we learn new things, we change. And we teach. And we practice. Let's continue to teach the taught Christianity and practice it. I hope this lesson was beneficial to you as you learned what we need to be doing since Christianity is a taught religion. I'm sure you recognized as you listened to the lesson that it's really just common sense. Since Christianity is a taught religion, we need to learn it, we need to teach it, and we need to practice it based on what God has revealed in His Scriptures. If you have any questions about what the Scripture teaches and what we need to learn, about how we can practice and obey what the Scripture says, or about what we do at the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call, 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody gave you this lesson. If so, let me invite you to go to that website, franklinchurchofchrist.com, and there you're free to download any of the lessons and bulletin articles that we have there. We have sermons in outline and audio format that you're free to use to glorify God in whatever way you see fit. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.